Good morning, Eastside family. As we give our offering of worship, after we are done with that, I want to encourage our parents who have children ages 3 through 3rd grade, you're welcome to take them to our junior worship, which is back in that direction. I'm looking around, I'm seeing some people that I don't know that are here, perhaps for the first time, and so if you have kids in that age range, just watch the parents who are headed in that direction. We certainly want to thank Steve and Angeline Hall for the heart. You know, we, we decided the first of the year or in our last mission Sunday, we want to pray once a month or have a special focus prayer of, of from our hearts offering up our missionaries. And so they, they made this heart. It's a mobile heart on wheels, actually. And inside the heart, they put pictures, as you can see here, of, the, of a particular mission on each Sunday. And so this is the mission here. These pictures here, they're all represented the work that Nathan, the young man that... Um, Young man, there you go, Nathan, um, who did communion today. Is our who served in Libya and now is on his way back to Angola with his family. And so we would love for you, they go to a lot of trouble to make these pictures. We would love for you to um, come take a look at these pictures and, and to truly carry them daily in your hearts. Did I say turn to Acts chapter 2? Please turn to Acts chapter 2. So today is a really special day. Not only is it a special day because it's um, for President's Day. I know we're all excited about President's Day. But um, today is the day that marks a one-year anniversary when Austin and Erica decided to leave the promised land of Middle Tennessee, where I was actually born and raised. And they made the sacrificial decision to come work out here in the Wild West with us in Colorado. Aren't we thankful that they're here? I'm actually going to the promised land on Tuesday morning. I'm going to be with my dad. So we'll be back Friday. But anyway, we love you guys and appreciate your work here. So we're following a story here in Acts chapter 2. And, and there's two reasons for this. First of all, for the purpose of, I hope, it, to, to inspire you. But I feel like it's my responsibility to also equip you that I would too be equipped because we have this mission. It's called making disciples of all nations and that's real fancy Bible language. It just basically means Jesus has called us. We didn't think this up. He gave it to us that our mission, our goal, our calling is to, to take what we have learned freely from Jesus Christ and the grace and the message of his story and to share it with others so that they too can know Christ. In, in a saving way. But the purpose of this message also is not just for those of us who already are disciples that we can be inspired and equipped in doing what we're supposed to be doing as followers of Jesus. But it's also for those of you who are here this morning and, and I prayed for you to come this morning where you're not at the place of being a follower of Jesus. You're, you're, you're not what we call a Christian, a disciple. You're here, you're interested. And my prayer is that this story will just penetrate your hearts and you will take the step to say I want to follow him and be baptized into Christ and I pray that you will take that step even today it's, it's a, it's a it's, for some of us it's kind of like a story we've heard multiple times 
But it's an amazing story that, that must be repeated. And, and we've kind of been working our way lesson to lesson, building on this story. The disciples of Jesus, these are followers. Disciples, that's not a word we use too much, but that just means Christians. Followers of Jesus. They had gathered together to pray. And it just happens every time when God's people really fervently pray. It's there that the Holy Spirit empowered them and filled them. And as the Holy Spirit empowered them and filled them, from the overflow of the Spirit, they began to They began to speak and to share the story of Jesus with thousands of people that didn't just happen to be there, but God orchestrated this moment. He does that in our lives. He just brings our paths together and the paths of of people who need to know Christ. And God brought them together. And so some 3,000 people were led to faith and were baptized that day. And, you know, as a preacher, as a teacher, I'm going, man, that's a good sermon. As followers of Jesus, we need to be asking, what in the world did they say that was, or or specifically here we have the words of one of the followers of Jesus, Peter. What did he say that was so convincing that would cause some 3,000 people to say, I want to change my life, I want to devote the rest of my life to following Jesus, and I want to publicly confess this in baptism. What can we learn from what was said here so that we can duplicate that? And I've already told you that that what we see here in Acts chapter 2, it's a model, it's a guide. When, When God brings someone into your life, you just open this chapter up, or hopefully you can get it in your heart, and you begin walking with them through this incredible story that's what the apostle peter did and i've given you these three questions you remember these and it'll help you as you walk someone through the story peter basically in his lesson he's answering three questions they're critical questions that must be answered in order for someone to to come to a place of of saving faith those three questions are who is jesus what did he do and what does it mean and last week in answering the question who is Jesus? We discovered this about Christ in the, in the first part of, of, of this lesson here. That Jesus is, is, is God's purpose and plan. Predicted and prophesied and planned and purposed before the creation of the world. His plan for your life and for the lives of everyone that's outside the walls of this building. He is, he is it's an incredible story. God the creator became man. You know, there's, there's so much now to say about him. I could tell you everything that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have to say. And I could tell you what John says at the end of his story. He says, there's not enough books in libraries to tell you everything I could tell you about Jesus. And so Peter's going, well, he's not going, what do I say? He's led by the Holy Spirit. He drives into the core the central core, I'm calling this mere Christianity, the, the central mere message of Christianity, that's where he takes us. As a matter of fact, in Scripture we're told that this is of first importance. What you're getting ready to hear, the Bible says, there's a lot of stuff that I should be talking about, we should be talking about in our life groups. It's really super important, but this is of first importance. I can't neglect this. We can't neglect this. It's who is Jesus And now the second critical question which must be answered is, what did he do? Now, now, the mistake that that you might be tempted to make, because it's like been the mistake that in our church heritage, 
we've made way too many times is we skip all that I'm going to look at today and we go straight to chapter 2, verse 37 and we ask the question that the people finally ask, what shall we do? And they ask, sure, that's an important question. It must be answered, but it has to be preceded by the more important question, not what must we do, but what did he do? Because what we do is simply a response to what he has done. We're not saved because of what we do. We are saved. We're in a relationship uh, with Christ. Our lives are healed from brokenness, not because we fix them, but because we've come to the one who fixes them because of what he did. And so the apostle Peter, before he answers the question, what shall we do? He says, oh, let me tell you what he did. And so we find that answer here in chapter 2 in verse 22 through 35. I would encourage you to follow along. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead. Freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also live in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the grave. Nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life And we are all witnesses of the fact, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. In answering this question, what did he do? The disciple, follower of Jesus, Peter, he says, there's three things. Oh, there's a lot, but this is driving into the center core of what you need to know. And a lot of us know this. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And he ascended to heaven. And oh, there's, there's so much I could say about each of these fundamental truths. But I decided I'm only going to say what is here. And I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit actually knows better than what I do about what to say. So let's see what he says. Let's look at each of these truths. First truth, he died on the cross. There's two things, maybe more, that two things that, that, that perhaps the Spirit led me to really notice as I was reading this story again. Two things he tells us about Jesus' death on the cross. First of all, you put him to death. He says here, you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. And so at, at first glance, you, you, might, you might think it would seem fair for those who are listening on this day to say, whoa, whoa, that's not true. 
uh, we, I, we didn't put him to death. As a matter of fact, we weren't even here when it happened. Now, you remember earlier in chapter 2 here, all these people that they're speaking to, they're from other nations. They're not from Jerusalem. Most of them aren't. They weren't even here on the day that Jesus was crucified. And so the instinctive response to what Peter's accusation here is, you put him to death, would be, we had nothing to do with it. But they did. And and at second glance, it would seem extremely fair of us to say, they might have, but man, we're like on the other side of the world, so many hundreds of years later, we certainly had nothing to do with it. But we did. Let me explain. We know from Scripture, and, and if we're honest with ourselves, and if we're honest with others, and, and many of us perhaps aren't, we would all admit that we are sinners. That means we have sinned. That word means basically we have done a lot of things. God said, these aren't things you should do. That's what sin is called. And we know in Scripture that the consequence of sin... The Bible says it's death. It's physical death on this earth. That's why we die, because of our sin. But it's not just physical death on this earth, but the Bible also describes it as an eternal death.